Welcome back. This is episode two of The Volley Chief. Coming to you from the command post, this is Chief David Leonard. Today's exciting episode, we're going to discuss the history and makeup of the Derby Fire Department and the Storm Ambulance Corps. I wanted to do this episode just to give you some background. So in the future episodes, when I reference how we operate, how things work, you have a little bit of a background, if you will, and some basis for my experience and time as a chief officer and volunteer officer. Also, too, there's some unique situations, like most towns have here within the city of Derby. So I want to take the time to explain to, to them, to you. And uh, if, again, if you have any questions or anything, fire me an email. It's thevolleychief at gmail.com, V-O-L-L-Y-C-H-I-E-F at gmail. I hope you enjoyed our first episode. As always, comment, like, subscribe, do all those things that make social media work. So let's get into it. So the metropolis of Derby is a very old city of the state of Connecticut, founded in the mid-1600 range, originally as a fur trading post, and it was founded on the what would be considered the eastern bank of the Naugatuck River, is where the original city was settled. And over time, they decided to plant a city. And what makes Derby a unique city is the location, you know, geography, right? Everything. It's location, location, location. Derby sits at the uh, confluence of two rivers in the state of Connecticut, the Housatonic and the Naugatuck. Uh, the Housatonic River is actually one of the most inland tidal rivers around. And although we are about 10 miles from Long Island Sound, it, it's still tidal. So every day, you know, we have high and low tide. And it made for a uh, very easily accessible area back, obviously, in the 17, 1800s before the advent of the automobile. So Derby started out as a shipping port, a seaport, really. And the city was laid out like most cities where it was laid out in a grid pattern, kind of, you know, town, I guess you'd say typical city setup for that time. Uh, you're talking like the town green in the middle, churches on all sides, you know, streets blocked out. And, you know, they were, we went in number. So first street, second street, third street, uh, a couple oddities here and there. But that's how the, the city was laid out. And when it comes to uh, fire protection or fire history, our first fire company was actually what is now the Hotchkiss Hose Company. They were formed in about 1837. They are the second uh, oldest continually operating fire station in the state of Connecticut. And they operated by themselves. There was a few other attempts, you know, here and there to start fire companies, but it wasn't until the 1850s that the second fire company came in to uh, play. Obviously, it has a close spot in my heart because it's my, my home company, but that's the Storm Engine Company. Not really 100% sure how we got the name. So in this part of the country, a lot of the volunteer firehouses are named, and they could be named for different things. You know, the Hotchkiss was named after, and there is an actual, you know, Hotchkiss. He was a, a socialite in, t in town as well as a philanthropist. So the company was named in his honor because he was a founding member and, and was very, very active in the company. Uh, the, the Storms, though, we never really could find a clear answer the rumor around the firehouse was always that after the company was formed it was just called engine company number two a large fire happened somewhere in the city and somebody made the comment that that new fire company put up a storm of water we became nicknamed the storms and then finally adopted the name again if you look around the area you'll see there's a lot of different names i think probably the one that I find the most uh, interesting is what would be the Eagle Hose in Ansonia, our neighboring town. They uh, they came about because they bought a parade carriage, and they didn't have enough money to change the name on it. So they bought a parade carriage or an old fire apparatus, 
And when they did that, it was already said Eagle Hose on it. So they just adopted the name. It was the easiest way to do it. So you'll hear a lot when we reference episodes that people belong to different firehouses. And the firehouses, again, that's where they are. So in Derby, the second fire company, my fire company is the storm engine company. The next fire company to come along in the city of Derby would be the Bassett Hook and Ladder. Uh, Bassett was another big family. They owned one of the mills in town. So they were our first hook and ladder company. And oddly enough, they were located almost directly across the street from the Storms Firehouse on Elizabeth Street. They're in what's known as the Sterling Opera House, which is a historic, uh, you know, old opera house. It was City Hall, the City Court, one of those multi-use buildings that was built in the late 1800s. And they operated there. They would last not very long, though. They would find themselves on the wrong side of the political battle with the town over the firehouse being in City Hall. And the mayor basically at one point just finally shut them down. The next fire company to come into the city would be the Pagasset Hook and Ladder. So the Pagasset, so they're part of the city called the Derby Landing, which was originally an old uh, Indian fort of the Pagasset Tri. So they're named kind of for the, the, the Indian tribe that was located where their firehouse roughly is today. And uh, the Pagassets originally joined as an engine company, and then when the Bassett Hook and Ladder was shut down, they took the, the Hook and Ladder from the Bassets and became the Pagassett Hook and Ladder Company. Uh, again, oddities about different towns. The Pagassets are just a truck company. So the, this day and age, you know, we, we have a firehouse, they have a, a brush truck, a Kubota, but their, their primary apparatus is just, a, just an aerial ladder. The final fire station in Derby came into play in the 1950s. That was the East End Hose. Uh, you can guess where they are in town and how they got their name, right? They were in the East End of the city. There was no fire protection. So if you had the downtown area, uh, the, the East Side was lacking fire protection at the time. So a group of citizens got together and uh, formed their own fire company. And, and again, you know, Right, how different fire companies worked. They they were an independent fire company from the city fire department uh, up until right around the 2000 range when the, the city charter was rewritten to include them. So those are the four firehouses. It's the Hotchkiss Hose, the Storm Engine Company, the East End Hose, and the Pegasets. And they're stations one, two, three, and four. Uh, the groundwork for the Derby Fire Department would be laid out in the late 1800s, so like 1894 when Derby kind of settled into what it is today and their city charter was written. It established a fire department as a city agency. So the, the fire department falls under the city charter. It lists the companies as, uh, by name, the, the city incurs the cost of running the department. So purchase of apparatus, equipment, gear, goods is all done through the city like a regular city department. The fire stations are built and maintained by the city. So really the organizations, if you will, of the companies uh, are pretty set up for volunteer fire services. They, they, we don't have to worry about fundraising for equipment or apparatus. Uh, on the downside is we rely on the city. So everyone knows nowadays how city governments believe in doing more with less and cutting. So we have our typical battles with city all over budgeting and gear, and, but nothing uh, too crazy. And again, it's a, uh, very, very typical for this part of the country, this New England area, to have the, the volunteer firehouse. You know, at one time, the, the volunteer fire departments were the seat of power. You know, they're the only government organization other than the school system that's out there in the community. So a lot of the firehouses, the backgrounds are either, you know, religious or, or ethnic or, you know, they, they have a commonality. For example, the storms was all Irish. 
Uh, the Hotchkiss were all Protestant. The Pegasus was a Polish, large Polish uh, contingent, and it still is today. They still have a lot of members, you know, a lot of older families from the, the area that occupied that part of the city. And that's kind of how the, the volunteer fire companies came up. So the department has one fire chief and four, or excuse me, three assistants. So four chiefs total. And they're, they rotate. So every two years, uh, the chief moves up. One of the biggest, I think, oddities about us as a volunteer department, though, is it's a tested position. So when your company comes up for the test, any member who meets the qualifications, and, you know, you got to have qualifications nowadays, right? Years ago, the, the thought of just making someone fire chief because it was their turn or everyone liked them, that, that kind of went out the window. So the test is administered by the State Fire Academy. You take a 100-question multiple-choice written test. You do the oral board. Once that's done, if you come out number one, you're, you're the next assistant chief. And you start off as the second assistant chief. If you survive the first two years, you move up to the first assistant chief. You survive those two years, you move up to assistant chief. And then you become the chief. And after two years, you're out. So it's a rotating system of chiefs. You, you have an eight-year prison sentence, if you will. When you start uh, your assistant chiefdom, you know, you're on the clock. Whether you like it or not, you're out in eight years. So the system was developed in 1894. We could debate the merits of it all day. You know, it's good in a way because it prevents, you know, kind of somebody from getting in and being chief for too long and getting stagnant. But on the flip side, nowadays, two years, is I mean, you can really design an apparatus and order it and be out as the fire chief by the time it comes in. So it's a difficult uh, concept to, to keep this rotation of the chiefs, but it's the way that the system is set up. And unfortunately, it's actually in the city charter. So in order to do that, you would have to have a vote of the city to change it. And uh, obviously, you can imagine where that is on a city's pecking order of importance for elections. And that's the, the makeup of, if you will, the operational part of the fire department. Overseeing the fire department is a fire commissioner. So again, right, older system, single fire commissioner. He is a uh, civilian position within the department to provide oversight, not one of the uniform members. Theoretically speaking, according to policy, should not be an active member of a company. However, usually it's a member from the department that's uh, appointed by the mayor, and they'll take a, a leave of absence to fulfill the, the charter requirement. But the commissioner and the chief uh, handle the budgeting, handle all the information, and the uh, planning for the department with the assistant chiefs obviously assuming the other uh, duties and needs of the department. From there, you hit the company level. So each company is authorized one captain and two lieutenants. So the department has, you know, four captains and eight lieutenants making up the, the company officer. And those are voted on by the individual companies. So each of the four companies every year has an election. The uh, company term at each position is a year. You could stay in as long as you keep getting reelected. Again, there are requirements, right? You got to be an interior member for three years. You got to be fire uh, firefighter two. So there are requirements for the positions, and uh, you're part of the department command structure. Each firehouse operates different apparatus. Uh, the Hotchkiss has a sing is a single engine. The East End is a single engine, and the uh, Pegasus I told you already operates the ladder, the brush truck, and the, uh, the Kubota. And my firehouse, the Storm Engine Company, we have two engines. We're a double engine company, so. Uh, Derby, again, being a small city, it's the smallest city in Connecticut. It's five square miles. 
It's split in half by one of the rivers, so you, you'll hear a lot of east side, west side. We're the only fire company on the west side, the downtown area, the denser populated areas in our area. So with the city being so small, five square miles, you have a, a state park and another large park, Whittock Park. They take up about two square miles of that. So you, you have about 15,000 people shoved into just about three square miles. It's a dense old New England mill town, you know, three woods, two and a half woods, old factories kind of lining the downtown area, the river banks, and then it moves into residential from there. So when you when you think of, again, that I, I've said it before, that typical New England mill town, that's what you're you're going up against here. Where uh, kind of this whole thing derailed was in the 19, late 1940s, early 1950s, uh, a group from the Storm Engine Company led by... Uh, at the time, the assistant chief, uh, Rich Kiley, and my grandfather was assistant chief, Ed Cotter Jr., they decided that they wanted to get an ambulance. So in the late 40s, uh, the Storm Engine Company purchased an ambulance through a fund drive, and they operated the ambulance. Throughout the next several years, the ambulance corps amassed a large amount of money, right? Um, early 1950s, they had around 15 to 20 grand in the bank. Uh, again, they had a fortune back then. And the, the members started wanting to use the money for other things. So in order to protect the money, the Ambulance Corps was incorporated as a separate entity. So this would create kind of like a rift, if you will, that we still deal with some of the ramifications of today. So now at the Olivia Street Fire Station, you uh, have a dual occupancy, right? You have the Storm Engine Company, which is the city fire company, which has the two engines. And then you have the Storm Ambulance Corps, which operates two engines, a heavy rescue, a hazmat vehicle, and a slew of other fly cars, support vehicles, a Polaris Ranger, the rescue boats. Because what happened was, as the fire service evolved into the 50s and 60s, and you know the factories in the, the area were still booming, you would have industrial accidents, motor vehicle accidents, and the ambulance would go, they'd call the fire department. But this rift... Uh, kept the fire department from wanting to to help the ambulance corps by providing rescue services. So the ambulance corps was able to secure a surplus Korean War jeep, and they kind of turned it into the the precursor of a rescue vehicle. And from that time moving forward, as rescue came along, as hazmat came along, as the the water rescue came along, it all kind of fell into the ambulance corps because the members of the ambulance corps were responding to the incidents with the ambulance. So it kind of made more sense to have them handle this type of operation since at the end of the end of it, they would put the person in the ambulance and drive away. Where it becomes interesting is you have a lot of dual members. So if you respond in Derby to a motor vehicle accident with a person trapped, the fire department's providing fire protection, traffic control. The ambulance corps is providing medical care and they're doing the extrication. But the majority of us belong to both organizations. So the freedom of the Ambulance Corps is you're free from that city constraint. It's its own, you know, nonprofit, 501c3. So they're able to to purchase equipment. They're able to provide services that, uh, I don't want to say with limited oversight because there is an oversight board that, that monitors things. But they, they have a lot more freedom than the city department. Now, I'm one of two people that had the... Uh, ability to run both organizations. You had, you, I was fire chief and I was ambulance uh, chief in the ambulance corps. And there was obvious drastic distance uh, differences between the two of them. The ambulance corps, I had a lot more freedom to make decisions if we wanted to purchase equipment, but the fire department gave me more financial freedom because at the end of the day, I could tap into the city coffers.
right? When I wanted to buy $100,000 worth of turnout gear or $100,000 worth of uh, accountability equipment, I can go to the city, make a case, and get that extra $100,000. With the Ambulance Corps, there, there's no, you know, once you set your budget for the year being a nonprofit, it's that or fundraise. The Ambulance Corps is staffed throughout the day. They have two EMTs nowadays. I mean, we all know, right? EMS kind of runs the business a little bit to keep us going. So there's two EMTs staffed on the ambulance during the day. There's some weekend coverage, but each ambulance is equipped with, you know, equipment for extrication for you know, uh, up here in New England for the winter weather. We have ice rescue equipment, uh, SCBA thermal cameras, hooks and cans, things like that. So, you know, they're kind of in a way providing a little bit of those rescue services from the, the paid staff in the ambulance. Like I said, it's a very, very interesting and unique setup. Uh, and being one of the few people that, that's had the privilege of, of running both of them, I can tell you that there's definitely pros and cons. And, I, you know, I feel like at the time, though, when I when I was chief of the ambulance corps, and I mentioned this last episode, I was way too young. And I, it's one of those things I almost wish I, I did it again just because I, I think I'd like to push the organization a little bit farther, a little bit different. But uh, those are the makeup of the departments. So the, the if you're an average person, you're coming off the street, you go to the firehouse, you fill out an application, they do a background check, you know, you get you get voted in. Uh, most training is, is provided. One of the advantages of the volunteer system here is that we have a very large educational budget and it's a good perk to keep members. So if you want to take additional classes, I, I, I don't actually recall saying no to anybody in my entire eight years in the uh, in the chief level of hearing anyone get denied to go take a training class because it's a, it's a good way to keep members. It's a good way to go. And, uh, you know, once you join, you, you eventually get measured for gear. We'll send you to fire one through either the regional school. We've occasionally run our own or partnered with our neighboring towns. Um, and you know, give you the training that you need to get go. Um, our meeting drill night is Thursday night. It's something you could always ask any group of volunteer firemen. Hey, what night do you guys meet? You know, it could be Monday, could be Tuesday. We do Thursday in Derby. So Thursday nights are our, our meeting nights. Usually the first month, uh, first meeting is excuse me, the first Thursday of the month is meeting night, and then the next are, are training. Um, my company, our other big event of the year is we host our annual, the annual Fireman's Ball. We've been doing it since uh, 1851. On, it was originally on Thanksgiving Eve, but we moved it to the weekend after Thanksgiving now. Uh, and that does pretty much the organizations. You know, the Ambulance Corps, again, it handles the heavy rescue, hazmat, water rescue again two rivers so we're out in the boats a lot and we have a lot of very uh talented members like like most organizations do nowadays you got to kind of play to your talents so we know how well our members are we know their specialties uh the only thing that i would definitely be amiss of, of bringing up is our mutual aid partners so derby being so small these little urban cities you know next to us we have ansonia uh they're again pretty much set up like us ansonia and derby were actually one city in that 1894 charter change finally broke them off you know you you'll see some old time signs and old things referring to ansonia as a borough and uh they, they you know they were the a borough of the city of derby but they broke off so their fire department pretty much mirrors ours in, in form of rules regulations and set up just because it, you know, it was an offshoot of the city of Derby, and they kind of modeled after the city because it was kind of the same people running it at one point. So they operate five volunteer stations, similar setup to if each station has a chief, uh, captain, two lieutenants, 
and we run hand in hand with them. We do automatic mutual aid nowadays. There are certain facilities in town, uh, our hospitals, some of their larger occupancy buildings where we just respond mutual aid, you know, right off the bat as a dual response. And then our other partner is the, the city of Shelton. They're a fire department. They're Shelton in my lifetime has become a, a much larger city. You know, when I was a kid, Shelton, it's a very large city. It's like 30, 35 square miles, but it has a, it was a big farm town when we were kids. And that farmland has given way to industry and commerce. And it's now, you know, kind of like the, the larger city in our area. Downtown is still New England downtown. A lot of, you know, three brick uh, buildings, apartment buildings, Queen Anne's, things like that. But once you get out of the, the downtown area, you move into like large housing developments, um, commercial areas. There's a couple of Tedley T, Forishner. Uh, I believe Subway is moving in some major like corporate leaders there. Uh, and we work very well with them. I mean, we don't do kind of anything without each other. If any one of us has a larger incident, it's going to be, we're all going to be there. Uh, we train a lot together. Usually anytime we bring in programs, we bring in speakers. If we have any type of training evolutions like that, we'll, we'll all invite each other. So it, it it's really kind of uh, taking the first steps in that regionalization. But, it, but as much as it, we talk regionalization now, it's always been like that. You know, the, the, the valley, the area that we talk about, Derby and Sonia, Seymour, Shelton, uh, up to Oxford, we we will always have worked hand in hand. We've always responded together. You know, we got a good family rivalry going, right? We can fight with each other, but don't fight with us. One of those type rivalries where, you know, it's okay for me to pick on the Sonia guys or, the uh, you know, the Shelton guys to pick on us. But if another out of town started, you're going to have to deal with all three of us. So a little bit of a sibling rivalry, uh, again, work hand in hand some of our our best friends some of our best partners in this business come from the neighboring towns and uh, i think that's the way it should be right especially in the world we live in nowadays with a limited response and manpower having them auto mutual aid right off the bat just just makes it so much easier so so that um that kind of covers it that's the, the valley if you will in a nutshell um, we're going to be hearing from some of the neighboring chiefs, neighboring towns. We'll talk about some of the major incidents over the years here in the Valley. Uh, you know, we've, we've had our good run of, of mayhem and disasters. So let us know where you're from, right? If you, uh, if you want to fire some comments down below, tell us, you know, where you're from, what department, the size of your department, as I said earlier, if you want to be on it, if you want to come, if you want me to interview you, by all means, the volley chief at gmail.com. T-H-E-V-O-L-L-E-Y-C-H-I-E-F at gmail.com. Um, and tell me you want to be on the show. Tell me what your, your topic you want to talk about, and we'll schedule it. So that's pretty much all I got for today. Uh, this is episode two. Hopefully, probably one more just listening to me. And then I'm going to try to start bringing some guests in. So if you have ideas or thoughts or topics you want me to mention, fire me some information. Find us on Instagram, volley underscore chief. And uh, have a good day, be safe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.